Blog Talk Radio. If it's smooth jazz, then the Jazz Queen is talking about it on Talking Smooth Jazz. Your place for all things smooth. With the smoothest show on the internet radio, your host, the Jazz Queen. Hello and welcome to Talking Smooth Jazz. My name is Terry, a.k.a. the Jazz Queen. It is Thursday, June 14th, 2018. If you would like to join us in the chat room, please go to TalkingSmoothJazz.com. Scroll down to Ronnie Song's picture, that's R-A-H-N-I. Click on that, that will bring you into the chat room. The phone number is 646-716-5485, My guest this evening is award-winning producer Ronnie Song. Hey, Ronnie, how are you? Ronnie, can you hear me? Ronnie, are you there? Okay, um, I can't hear you if you're talking. Um, hopefully you can hear me. So um, let me, if you could call me back and let's see if we can get you in that way. Okay, so let's see if we can get him back in. Um, right now I'll give you an introduction. Um, again, I said, as I said, my guest is award-winning producer, Composer, arranger, songwriter, recording engineer, musician, and educator, Ronnie Song. His first name is spelled R-A-H-N-I. Ronnie has produced and written for some of the industry's top gold and platinum recording artists, including music placed in major television shows and featured films. Hello? Hey, Ronnie. Hi. I'm back. <laughs> Little technical difficulties here. I'm great. I'm great. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Welcome to Talking to New Jazz, and thank you for the interview. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a my pleasure. pleasure. So, listen, I went to your website and read up on mm-hmm. you, and, uh, man, what you have accomplished is, I was so impressed. I'm just really impressed by what you've done. Right, thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank God for all of it, because it was definitely the the handiwork of the Lord in my life, because a lot of that stuff would not have been possible, believe me. <laughs> yeah, so now, um, wow, I, um, by the way, I love your website. Did you do that yourself? Actually, yes, uh, along yeah. with, uh, yeah, two of my team members, but I pretty much crafted it. Uh, myself and I have a good team that keeps it going and keeps it uh, up to date. Well, it's a very nice website. Um, listeners, definitely Thank check you. out the website, RonnieSong.com. Very nice. Yes, very nice. Thank okay, you so, so much. Ronnie, Appreciate it. You're very welcome. My first question to you is who or what inspired you to take the career path that you have? Wow, that's a loaded question. Uh, it was it was pretty much uh, just the inspiration of my. Well, I have to say, my mother uh, was very responsible for the music side of me. Uh, she had we had a piano in the house um, when I grew up, and she played, you know, for the choir at church and things of that nature. And I just took an interest in music it was all around me uh, my father i mean it was always his record collection was just absolutely ridiculous and it's like coming up as a child just hearing and being inundated with these types of uh multi genres of music mm-hmm. uh it was like i was encased and imprisoned imprisoned by it if you know what i mean and uh Mm-hmm. My mom, she really took time to give me the freedom, you know, to learn piano. She uh, get, got me piano lessons on Saturday. I had to get up and go and do the music lessons. And uh, as time went on, uh, the music that I was hearing all the time, uh, starting way back in the day with, you know, the Johnny Mathis and the Sinatra's that my father was playing and, 
then the gospel, and then the pop music that was out at that time. I was just very intrigued with uh, not just the, the the songs that were on these records, but all the stuff that was going on around the song. You know, the arrangements, the strings, the horns. And I would I remember sitting uh, in front of the uh, record player and radio, and just kind of in in a frozen state, just listening to all of this stuff going on. I'm like, how in the world do they do that? How do they make the violins go this way? How do they make the horns go that way? And it was something that I just was so intrigued by, you know, uh, even as a kid when they were, my folks were sitting up listening to music and I was in the bed because I had to go to school the next day. I'd kind of sneak over to the door and put my ear down at the bottom of the door just so I can hear the music. And, uh, I just, it just became an obsession. And, uh, I prayed hard. I thought, can I really learn how to do this stuff? <laughs> and then I was just influenced the, the, after my mom's, you know, influence and in allowing me to play at church with her and giving me the freedom to explore my musicality. Um, then I discovered uh, people like Tom Bell, uh, people like Gene Page, who arranged for Barry White. And you know Tom Bell, he was a part of the whole Philadelphia sound. And mm -hmm. uh, listening to these arrangements, and I just got obsessed with it. So I just decided, you know, this is what I'm going to do. I had a promising sports future as, as an athlete, but the music just kind of took over. And I wanted to learn everything I could about how to arrange, how to compose, and those guys, if you go to my website, there's a section that says, that talks about my tribute, and there's pictures of all the people that, in some way, I, I would say simultaneously affected me and changed my path drastically, just listening to the work that these people had done, and it was, it was that was it for me, and, and I just began to pursue and learn not just the music side, but the technical side as an engineer as well. So that's why I said it was a loaded question when you asked me. <laughs> I can go yeah, on and no on, problem. you know, but that's why I dedicated that segment of my website to my heroes, the people who, if it wasn't for their gifts, uh, speaking to my mind and my spirit and my soul, uh, I probably would have ended up going to the NBA or NFL or something, you know, mm -hmm. following that path. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, was your training and or your learning on the job, or did you have some formal um, training? I didn't have any uh, formal training in the sense that most people have formal training. I did, like I said, the piano lessons on Saturdays. My mom giving me a basic thing on theory and how to, you know, read the basic scales and things of that nature. But uh, I spent a lot of time shadowing a lot of people. Uh, there was a gentleman by the name of Harold Sargent, uh, Harold Sargent from Harvard, Connecticut, who was a producer and a drummer, and he had played on a lot of the big records uh, in the 70s. And I would just shadow him in the studio and just watch what he did. And he uh, came in the studio one day when I was in there, and he just basically took me under his wing. So... I absorbed everything that I could. It was like a sponge. Any opportunity to go in and whether it was assist or play on a record or, uh, and my uncle who was passed away, um, he recorded two albums and he would always bring me in to play the keyboards on those records. So I would spend time with the engineers and just spent every opportunity to learn, take notes, go home and study, because, you know, we couldn't afford the higher education at the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I just uh, learned as I went, and I spent time and learned the craft and studied the craft, and and uh, after I got my first uh, string arrangement job uh, that was given to me by Benny King, I just kind of made myself a student, constant student of the craft of music, 
recording, arranging, composing, engineering, as I went along. Okay, okay. Now, um, I I read in your bio um, Mm -hmm. about your uh, Melba Moore story. Would you Mm -hmm. mind sharing that? (laughs) I was working at a a place called Mount Sinai Hospital in Hartford, Connecticut, and I was around 78 or something, 78, 79. And uh saw her on television. I was sitting with my buddy who I work with, and she was on TV uh, performing her hit, uh, You Stepped Into My Life. And I had already started my own little record company and uh, got a little notoriety for that. Uh, it was a local company. Nationally, it took off. And so I had these big dreams. So I'm sitting there, and I look at her, and I told my buddy, I said, you know what, give me about a year or two. I'm going to be in the studio with her. I'm going to be producing with her. And uh, sure enough, uh, it was about a year and a half later, I had worked with a group called Xavier. Uh, They were on EMI Liberty. And the record executive at the time, Ted Courier, uh, noticed my talent and noticed my you know, knowledge of record making. And he was head of A&R, and he was in charge of Melba's record at the time. So he said, hey, I got somebody I want you to meet. I want you to go over to this address. And it was actually Melba's husband who had the management company. And I went to take the meeting with him. But, you know, I didn't really know. I mean, the last thing on my mind was, meeting with her, I still thought I had to do a lot of shadow boxing and getting to know this guy and prove myself. And uh, walked in his office, and within 10 minutes of the conversation with her husband, the side door opens up, and she steps, she comes walking in the office. And you got to understand, you know, a kid like me from Hartford, Connecticut, with these big dreams, I'm always being criticized and talked, but, oh, he got these big dreams, grandiose that stuff will never mm-hmm. happen. He's talking all this stuff, and here she comes walking in, introduced herself to me like she really had to do that, right? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I stood there like frozen. That that prophecy and that thing I put out there in the atmosphere, yeah. you know, came to fruition, and I didn't have to sell myself because Ted Courier. Uh, who was the head of EMI Liberty's A&R at the time, he sold it for me. And he, he told them more about me than I thought he he would tell. And he, he really sold me. Next thing I know, about four weeks later, she was driving up to Connecticut <laughs> to record with me. So that's the beauty of it. I didn't do the record in New York. I actually did it in my hometown, which was a real big egg in the face for a lot of people, you know. But uh, wow. who, who said you're never going to do anything? And I, that, that was just such yeah. a wonderful experience for me with her. And she's even to this day, she's remained a great friend and, uh, you know, just a, a good person. She's always been consistent all these years. Mm, that's awesome. That's so, a great story. Yeah. And speaking yeah. of putting things out in the universe, I also read on your bio that there was a – uh, on your wall was a spray painted replica of a gold <laughs> record. Did you put that on there? <laughs> oh my God! Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, I just there were so many records laying around. It was one this old record. It was some old album um, that you know no one in the house was playing. You know, it was all scratched up. You know, you know how it used to be. If the record's just too scratched, it's like why bother, right? Yeah, I took yeah. that album. I took that album and went and got me some spray paint from my grandmother because she was always, <laughs> she was always like antique furniture. This antique, redo this table, redo this chair. So she had all the supplies. So I said, Grandma, I need some gold spray paint. And she said, All right. I took it upstairs and I sprayed that record, and I covered <laughs> covered the label up so the the the, the 
paint wouldn't get on the label, so it looked like, you know, a real gold record. I sprayed the paint, and I put it up on the wall. And I said, out loud, I said, one day, that record on the wall is going to be the real thing. It's going to be a real certified gold record. Of and course, how many do you have now? Everybody, everybody laughed. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! So it was just, uh, you know, it was just amazing. Altogether, um, it's about. I only have a few posted up on the website because I you couldn't put everything up there. But altogether, it's about eight uh, gold albums, uh, about five platinum, as a couple of double platinums. And uh, it's it's just funny now, you know, seeing seeing this stuff and and remembering that day and that that day stays in my mind constantly. You know, anytime I look at you know the gold record, platinum record, it's like I never forget that day. I, I always think about it. And do you do you still have that gold record on the wall? The one that Actually, you no. No, <laughs> no, I I do not. I uh, some kind of way it ended up in some trash or garbage, I guess, when we moved. <laughs> okay. But uh, I should have saved funny. it. I should have saved it. I really should have saved it and, and held it as a. Mm-hmm. I, I really would have been a good collector, uh, mm-hmm. or or should I say, a souvenir from back in the day. Yeah. But unfortunately, yeah. no, I did not keep it. Okay, all right. So now I mentioned too that you're you also have placed music in film and television. Let's talk about yeah. that side of you. Um, tell us about that. Yeah, we had there was so many records that we had we we had recorded and produced uh, over uh, the eighties and nineties, and. There were studios that I work at. One studio in particular, where it first started uh, in Studio 19 in South Glastonbury, uh, who that was owned. The studio was owned by uh, I think 14-time Emmy winner uh, Ron Scalise. He he was a pioneer audio guy for the ESPN. And uh, there was a gentleman by the name of Andy Gundell who was working there. Like I be leaving, he'd come in. You know, and next day, you know, he's leaving out. I'm coming in, doing my session. Mm-hmm. Andy uh, ended up being the music director for a number of soap operas in New York. And when these records came out, uh, we did records with Melba, uh, with a group called Dayton, uh the records with uh we had a record with Roger Troutman, we did record records with uh you know, Xavier of course and um Freddie Jackson and then it went on and on to Najee and every time there was a record that that hit the charts, Andy would take it and program it into Guiding Light, you know, as the world turns, all these, you know, daytime shows. And it just kind of upped the ante for me a lot. You know, I just started seeing all these, you know, all my broadcast checks coming in with all these lists of performances from these TV shows. And then it just kind of parlayed into the big, much bigger stuff uh, with primetime, nighttime TV, the Baywatch and a lot of uh, HBO and E Entertainment started using a lot of my music that I produced on Najee and uh, Alex Bouillon uh, in their segue uh, commercials, uh, announcements, uh, backdrop music. I mean, it was playing everywhere. It was playing everywhere. And uh, mm-hmm. we ended up on uh soundtrack. We had uh, Antonio Banderas and Rebecca DeMornay did a movie called Never Talk to Strangers. And mm-hmm. the people of the All-American uh, music took uh, a song that I had uh, and put in there, Baywatch, Baywatch Nights. Uh, it just went on and on and on. Uh, major network stuff 
and the film stuff. And Sean Penn had a movie out called Bad Boys years ago. I know everybody knows the film with Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, but there was a Bad Boys film uh, starring Sean Penn, and we had a song that, that I had written and produced for Melba in that film. And okay. it's just one thing after the other. And the music started picking up and you start getting calls and people want to use this and use that and put this and this. And then we had the song with Xavier, Work That Sucker to Death. They used it in Mo Money. Uh, <laughs> so, and it just it just kept going and going and going and going and going. And so uh, between TV and motion pictures. Uh, so it was, it was just a great happening it kind of grew a life of its own you know it just took yeah that first beginning with aj uh Gundel putting those songs in those soap operas and then it just kind of just started happening from there and uh now we're well, actually i'm moving into another space uh where i'm getting ready to uh compose original film scores that's that's what i'm in the process of doing now Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, I will, going forward, will be sure to pay more attention to the credits on a TV show or a movie and look <laughs> for your name. <laughs> yeah, because I, you know, that that's true because, you know, a lot of times you don't, you don't know until, you know, because if it's tied up with another publisher or co-publishing situation, they'll just, they'll just put it out there and, I just had Rob White, the one you mentioned him, and Naomi uh, Emanuel, yeah. when she sung on that record. Yeah. We did an instrumental version of House Is Not a Home, and it ended up in mm, yeah. Uh, not, yeah, yeah, and it ended up in Not Easily Broken with Morris Chestnut and Taraji Henson movie. So, uh, you know, it's just a little, you never know where it pops up. <laughs> yes. Um, speaking of that, um, I... Ronnie has a debut CD called Breaking the Rules, and I will be playing a couple of songs from that um, here in just a minute. But I did want to mention some of the other um, artists that Ron Ronnie has worked with. I mean, you mentioned Najee. There's Marion Meadows, Freddie Jackson. Now, I was recently on a cruise that Freddie was on, and he had uh-huh. said um, he had a new single. Out. Uh-huh. Are you working on that new release? No. No, okay. I'm not working on, on any of his new stuff. The, the more recent record okay. I did with him, or the last, should I say the last record I did with him, was an album called Transitions. And uh, we did a song. Okay. Uh, collaborated with Mark Nelson, uh, who, who was formerly of the group as yet. We, we did a song called uh, More Than Friends. And... Uh, uh, t- until the end of time. There was a few songs on that album that, that we did. Uh, okay. But since then, we um, haven't worked together. Okay. There are five, count them, one, two, three, four, five albums for Melba Moore. So look mm-hmm. at that one. Um, <laughs> Lisa Fisher. Mm-hmm. Now, what did you do with Lisa? Lisa was, was so, she was so wonderful. We did a, uh, Marion had an album uh called Next to You and uh there was a George Duke remake of the song No Rhyme No Reason. And uh, yeah. we we thought, hey, let's let's just get Lisa to sing this, you know, put a spin on it. Mm-hmm. And she was just wonderful. She she came to the studio and it was one of the shortest recording sessions I ever had. <laughs> That's how good she mm-hmm. is. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. And she and, and, she, and she nailed it. I'm sorry. No, no. I'm sorry. There's a delay, so um, I'm trying okay. not to talk over you. I just wanted to say oh, that's that okay. uh, George Duke's song "No Rhyme, No Reason." That is my favorite song by him. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, it's a beautiful song, and she came in and nailed it down so quickly, and she was so humble, and she went in there and just killed the song. And came out mm. and so humbly, like, was that okay? Like, I'm like, are you <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> you just won the Grammy, for God's sake, you know, for best female performance, you know. She was just yeah. she was just wonderful to work with. Wonderful to work with. Oh. 
Okay. Now you've also you've also worked with Peter White, Holland Oates, and uh, Boosie yes. Collins. Let's talk about Boosie. My man Boosie. <laughs> now that's a story for you. Um, I that's why I have to write this book uh, because the way things happen for me was just so amazing. And uh, Boosie in seventy, I think it was seventy seven. I did this album, and I'm not going to say the name of it because it was when I was first learning how to produce, and it's it horrible. But anyway, it was a gospel album, and believe it or not, people are still asking for that album overseas. I can't believe why, but they do it. I appreciate it. God bless them. But it was the album that I did. It was a gospel album, and Bootsy was performing in Hartford, and he came into a clothing store that my friends worked at. And uh, I had two of my albums with me because the record store was right next door. And the gentleman at the record store wanted to hear the record because he wanted to try to carry it for me. And so when Boosie walked in, um, which was totally unexpected, and, you know, the guy introduced me to him. How you doing? Blah, blah, blah. I said, well, here's my album. You know, check it out. And blah, blah, blah. He was very gracious and took the album. Fast forward five years later, I think it was five or seven years, I can't remember. Um, I'm working with a group called Dayton. Uh, and they had a couple of really good records. Uh, we did about two or three albums with them. And so we're working on this album, and we did this song called Crackety Crack. And Ted Courier, who was the executive at, at you know, EMI, he said, hey, man, uh, we need to get Boosie on this record. I'm like, Boosie? And the funny thing, he lived 40 minutes from the studio that we were actually recording in. And I didn't know that. And so next day, Boosie comes in, and I look at him, and we just, you know, I knew he wouldn't remember me, so I didn't even try to make him remember me. You know what I'm saying? When you deal with big right. stars like that. And I don't want to be the, you know, ridiculous-looking, goofy guy, you know. So <laughs> I was like, hey, man, how you doing? It's a pleasure having you here. So he heard the song. He fell in love with the song called Crackety Crack. And he got so into the record. He was so much fun. And he invited me and some of the group members over to his house. Got there. We're sitting there watching movies. All of a sudden, about 30 minutes into this movie, we're all sitting in this big theater room in his house. And he most he looks at me and says, hey, he said, come in for a minute. He said, come with me. We walk up out of the theater room. We go upstairs in this bedroom that has all this. It had records and it has stuff. You know, that room is kind of like this. used almost like a storage thing almost. He has so many things in there. You know, some of his bass guitars. And I sit down, and he goes in this closet and comes out. I'm getting goosebumps just telling you this. <laughs> and that whole time I've worked with him all week, he comes out of the closet, and he has that album I gave him seven years prior. Wow. He recognized and he, you. And he looks at me. He said, man, he said, I... They kept calling you Ronnie, Ronnie, Ronnie this. And and the thing is, is that, you know, I was using my family name, Ronnie Harris, at the time. So they kept calling me, you know, that over and over. And, and so something must have clicked in it. And he realized, wait a minute. He pulled that album out and looked at me. He said, man, I cannot believe that this is you sitting in my house. He said, and this album, he said, do you remember giving me this? I said, do I remember? I said, are you kidding me? I knew when you walked in the studio, I, I didn't want to, you know, try to remind you or nothing. He said, man, he said, I have even taken this album with me on the road sometime. He said, it just inspired me because it was a gospel, you know, album. Mm -hmm. And I know his, his mom was a very spiritual woman. And um, he was just, man, he said, this album, he said, I have played this record. He said, a lot of times it's just helped me out and it's just inspired me. And I just couldn't believe it. That circle had come around in that way. Mm. So, 
Wow, that's that's a great story. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot of them. I got a lot of a lot of stories. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I tell you. Well, now let's talk about your music, um, breaking the rules. Now, the first time I used to do a music show a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, at, back then I was always looking for music to add to rotation. And mm-hmm. there's a page on Facebook called Ladies' Choice Smooth Jazz, and I mm-hmm. found Star of the Story. Somebody had posted yes. a video or a song mm-hmm. of that on that page, and I fell in love with that song. Just fell in love with it. So wow. I purchased it and I added it to my rotation um, okay. of music. And so, yeah. But tell us about your CD, Breaking the Rules. Well, Breaking the Rules was just a simple project that I did. I, you know, was just didn't, you know, we didn't even. Yeah, I could, I could say this now because nobody would. I mean, it's a different time. Um, I didn't even take that album into a studio we did all of that mm-hmm. virtually between my home my home studio and the people that I worked with and it was just kind of like a thing where you know like I told my brother I said man I said the music out here is, is going nuts I said the, the, most of this music on pop radio and stuff is just garbage I said I'm gonna just do this do this record for fun I'm gonna just put this together and it, it is, and it's far from you know the the the, the, the album that I'm doing now. It's, it's just on a whole. It's just off the hook. That's that's coming soon. But I just it was like well, let me just do this. And I told my brother. I said I bet you. I said the music industry is so messed up now. I said I'll do this record at home, get my friends to send their files in virtually, and I'll still go top five. And he started laughing at me. You know, I said, I just believe that. I said, because people just want the simplicity of a good song, good music, good quality. They want to be inspired. Mm-hmm. And no, no mm-hmm. we didn't have the big big budget at the time. But I said, you know, I'm just going to do this out of love for the music, just to do it. And and we did it, and we just put different kinds of music on there. It's not just the instrumental jazz stuff, but then it's like the inspirational song on there, a couple of them, uh, you know, there's the R&B kind of feel with uh, Worth the Fall, you know, has more of an R&B feel. So we kind of just did some stuff that we felt like doing and just enjoyed, just did it for fun and had a good time doing it. And my goddaughter, Chantel, my goddaughter, Chantel Hampton, she sung Star the Story, and this is something that people don't know. She was sick with the flu when she sung that song. <laughs> oh, Mm-hmm. She was she was up in Boston. I called her father, who who who, used to, who produced uh, some of the gospel records with me back in the day, and I said, I said, well, I gotta get this done. I said, when are we? When are you gonna? What, how much time do you need? So I thought she would say two weeks, and she said, uh, let me see how I feel tomorrow. And she woke up and she was still stuffy, and she said, but I'm gonna do it. Give me a couple hours. And she knocked that song out. I mean, background vocals the whole night. It was just amazing. And it's just all the love and the spirituality around that, you know, because it was just done out of love. And the song came across so well. I mean, she did such a wonderful job. And no one would even know she was not feeling well when she sung that song. Wow. All right, well. Let's take a listen to the song. It's called Star of the Story, featuring Chantel Hampton.
there you have it, Star of the Story, featuring Chantel Hampton, and that is on Ronnie Song's CD called Breaking the Rules. Miss Wanda, welcome to the show. Well, hello, Miss Terry. Good evening. <laughs> Greetings. Good evening. Greetings to you, Mr. Song. My goodness. <laughs> What an awesome pleasure, my my goodness. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Can you believe that I'm speechless? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we can't. Right. Right. Absolutely. You're not so but you're not supposed to agree with me. <laughs> uh, right. <That's> right. <laughs> you are not supposed to agree with me because oh, God. I play thought of the story on repeat. Almost every day. <laughs> I love that melody. Thank but you. I have a question for you. I have a question for you. What intrigues you the most out of everything you have accomplished? What What has intrigued me the most? Yes. What intrigues you the most? And all that I've accomplished, well, you say intrigue. I think, I think the thing that has intrigued me the most is is meeting and talking to Quincy Jones. Oh wow! And uh, and and there's there's two other guys I wanted to have that pleasure of talking to as well. Um, and one has passed away, Gene Page. Uh, he did all the arrangements for Barry White and. A few other people and and Tom Bell, which I'm going to be reaching out to him, uh, trying to probably connect with Miss Vinnie Barrett. She's a legend in her own right as well. Those people, wow. that's intrigue to me. I mean, those are the people that that made that word come to life. But especially meeting Quincy and having a conversation with him uh, was 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 incredibly intriguing to me. Mm. Wow. Well, that's pretty cool. Some of the things he told me. Huh? You're on my bucket list. You're on my bucket list to sign my CD and take a photo with you for my Hall of Fame. Okay. Well, we're going to have to make that happen very soon. (laughs) Because I have to listen to all of your music since the 80s, over 30 years, and I would always buy music and see that name, Ronnie's Song. And I was like, this is a bad dude. <laughs> yeah. Because I think my first two that I really got into was Najee, his first two albums. Yes. That, yes. Just blew, that blew me away. And when I met Najee, for the first time in person, I had the vinyl. Well, I still have the vinyl. Mm-hmm. And he was so surprised that I had it, and he wanted to sign it after That's great. the show. Yes. That is great. Yes. Yes. It was, it was mm-hmm. in 2016 on my birthday. Wow. That's incredible. Mm. Yes. All right. All right. Incredible. Well, thank That's you for calling in, Ms. Wanda. I just okay. I just had to. <laughs> I Thank you. Had to. You Thank know you. that. You know that's my thing. I have to call and talk to all the artists. Thank I you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, you're quite welcome. You all have a good evening, and I'll speak with you all later. Okay. All Hashtag right. music arsonist. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. All right, before I let you go, Ronnie, I have to ask you about Provoke. Please tell me about that. Uh, it's just a part of the uh, uh, – some. You, you can call it a ministry if you want to, uh, but it's kind of like an outreach okay. to people. Um, I pastored a church uh, for a number of years, and um, that is a very strong core of who I am, and even in the industry – uh, people that I've worked with and produced, and there's a lot of artists and 
other physical, you know, friends who are colleagues, you know, many times would need help with basic life situations, non-related to the entertainment industry. And um, uh, I believe that God has given me a, uh, you know, a place and a call to reach people um, in real life, you know, where the rubber meets the road, where the, the glamour doesn't exist, where the shining lights don't exist, and just everyday life and needing that boost and seeing that the suicide rates are so high these days and the drug abuse, alcohol abuse, and, you know, people just have lost hope. And so I just felt motivated to start uh, provoke to post articles to put up words for the day and try to keep people enlightened and encouraged and and challenge awesome. them and challenge them as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to close the show with another song from Ronnie's CD, Breaking the Rules, and this song is called Decision by a young lady named Naomi Emanuel, and I am a big fan of hers. Tell me about this Yeah, song. she's incredible. She's incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, she actually uh, sent it to me um, in its rough stages, and she had written it as mainly about, uh, initially about drug addiction. And um, okay. we wanted to broaden it a little more to uh, appeal to people who are struggling with different aspects of problems, drug addiction, abuse, whatever, just trouble, financial crisis, hard times. And we just wanted to give people some hope and inspiration to make a decision that their life can change and it can be better, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And she, she's just, our collaborations are always amazing. Um, when I work with her, and she's not just a great singer, but she's an incredible writer and arranger and creator herself. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Let everyone know where they can find you on social media. Uh, I have a, uh, a band page, public figure page on Facebook. Uh, it's a uh, Ronnie song. Uh, Award-winning American producer. That's what it should be under. If you type that in, you can get that page and communicate and see what's going on. And the main hub of communication is through my website, RonnieSong.com. We have the bottom right-hand corner, a place where people can chat, leave messages, send me emails, download the app, uh, the Wix app, and actually do live chat and have direct contact and direct access to information as to what we're doing. Okay. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. All right. And Twitter and Instagram? Yes, there is a Twitter and Instagram page. Actually, we're going to be putting up a link uh, in the morning for the Instagram and Twitter page. So when you go to RonnieSong.com tomorrow, you will see those links. You can just click uh, from your any device and follow us that way as well. Okay, good, good. And listeners, please visit his website. I mean, in the few minutes that I've had with him this evening, we only just touched on a few of Ronnie's accomplishments, but his website tells and shares so much more. So definitely check that out. Thank you. RonnieSong.com, R-A-H-N-I-Song.com. Definitely check that out. Thank you, Ronnie. It's been such a pleasure talking Thank you, to you Terry. so much. Thank you, Terry. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. You've been listening to Talking Smooth Jazz with me, your host, the Jazz Queen. And I look forward to Talking Smooth Jazz with you again next time. Until then, keep it smooth. This is Decision featuring Naomi Emanuel. Thanks again, Ronnie. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. God bless you. You have a great night. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Talking Smooth Jazz. Follow the Jazz Queen on Twitter at Jazz underscore Queen, on Facebook and Instagram at Talking Smooth Jazz, and visit the website, TalkingSmoothJazz.com.